1: Go episode six hundred fifty nine of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Tuesday, September nineteenth, two thousand twenty three, and as we continue to celebrate the Washington NFL franchise, currently known as the Commanders, having its first two and o start to a regular season since two thousand eleven, consider the Cleveland Browns. They have not had a two and o start to a regular season since nineteen. 19- Ninety-three. Now, there was no Browns franchise from 1996 through 1998, but still 1993. The Browns lost at the Pittsburgh Steelers 26-22 on Monday Night Football and in the game appeared to have lost stud running back Nick Chubb for the rest of the season to a serious knee injury. We'll see. That's terrible. Uh, But the Browns fell to 1-1. And so your 2-0 roll call in the NFL, features nine teams, including three NFC East teams, and among those teams, the Washington Commanders. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. A thank you to all of you for listening and downloading. Uh, the show has been doing some great numbers lately. I appreciate you listening and downloading very much, and we all appreciate it. The Commanders being 2-0. I know that the head coach, (laughs) Ron Rivera, appreciates his team being 2-0. We, on Monday afternoon, had Ron's day after the game press conference of what happened on Sunday. The Commanders, the Manders, overcoming the 21-3 second quarter deficit in a 35-33 win at the Denver Broncos. Coming up over the next few segments, I'll react to and discuss what Ron had to say. Next segment, Ron talking about two of the commander's offensive heroes in the game. Quarterback Sam Howell and running back Brian Robinson Jr. You will hear the Ron Rivera evaluation of Sam Howell's performance in the game. Uh, And then the following segment, Ron talking about edge defender Chase Young, including Ron continuing a recent trend with him and how he talks about Chase. I'll explain. Uh, And Ron on the commander situation at long snapper. The commanders on Tuesday are working out multiple long snappers. Has the end come for Cameron Cheeseman with the commanders? Has the end come for the Cheeseman with the commanders? Uh, Also on the show, I will discuss a wild win for the American League leading Orioles on Monday night an 8-7 win at the American League West leading Houston Astros in a game in which the O's blew a 3-1 6 inning lead but overcame a 7-5 ninth inning deficit and I will talk about yet another Nationals loss a 6-1 loss to the lowly Chicago White Sox at Nationals Park on Monday night in a game in which benches and bullpens cleared due to an incident in the bottom of the ninth. Now, no punches were thrown. There wasn't an actual fight, but this was something two of the worst teams in the majors getting into it on monday night uh, this actually <laughs> was pretty funny you could tweet me at algaldi you can email me the algaldi podcast at yahoo.com lots of good feedback to the commanders win at the broncos especially the performance of sam Howell. tweet from tj on sam his issues and tj has issues in quotation marks uh, are completely correctable that's what i find most encouraging. Uh, Thank you for that, TJ. Yeah, I agree. Uh, The taking of sacks, the batted passes, these are things that are fixable or at the very least can be improved upon. If what we've seen these last two games is the worst of Sam Howell, (laughs) yeah, we're in good hands, okay? Because what we've seen the last two games is more than workable. Uh, Tweet from Edge. EB called a heck of an offensive game. Good to see Chase Young get a sack. Happy, the coaching staff. Made adjustments after a 21-3 deficit. Feels good to be two and O. Oh. Uh, thank you for that edge. Yes, it does feel good to be two and oh. I do really like what we're seeing from Eric Bieniemy over his first two regular season games as Commanders' assistant head coach/slash offensive coordinator. A heavy emphasis on passing offense, but also zero reluctance to go to the running game when needed. I think that the best way to judge how much an offense is emphasizing the passing game is by looking at first half play calls because second half play calls very often are influenced by score and game situation. Eric, in terms of first half offensive plays over the commander's first two games of this regular season, has had a combined 62 passing plays versus 16 rushing plays. Think about that ratio, 62 to 16. That's a ratio <laughs> of nearly four to one. I love that. That is a modern, aggressive, forward thinking way of doing offense in the NFL. But it's not like Eric is scared to call running plays. We in each of these two games have seen plenty of second half carries for Brian Robinson Jr. A tweet from one man show 69. Uh, I don't know if I want to see that show, but (laughs) writes One Man Show 69, down by 18 on the road and got the W. That would not have happened in the last 15 years, period. Change is here, finally. Uh, Thank you for that One Man Show. Yeah, when the Commanders were down 21-3 in the second quarter on Sunday, how did that not feel like so many hideous Washington losses over the last 20 years? Did it not feel like the inevitable outcome of the game would be a thorough beatdown, a thorough humbling of our team, because we have seen that play out over and over and over again for decades. But instead... It was our team that did the humbling. It was our team that perpetrated the humbling. Uh, Email from Stanley Evans, right, Stanley? I looked at my sister when the score was 21-3 and it was like, well, we both knew that Sam Howell was going to have growing pains, but we also said it's still early, but we were pretty certain this game was curtains, LOL, but boy, were we wrong. Not only was this Sam's best game as a pro in his young career, but this also was on the road in a tough, hostile environment with an 18-point deficit. Talk about cool under pressure. Players and EB have raved about Sam's calmness under pressure. Howell and EB are a match. If anything, I hope that Josh Harris sees this and decides to keep EB around. Yes, it's still early. Yes, my whole family almost had a heart attack <laughs> when the Broncos got that ridiculous Hail Mary. Yes, I realize that the Bills are another tough test, but these commanders are definitely starting to get people's attention. We're finally 2 and O. Oh, LOL, Hail. Thank you for the email, Stanley. There is an energy, there is a momentum with our football team right now. Uh, so good to see what's happening. We always hope that what's happening with you is good. But uh, if you have been harmed by the negligence of someone else, if someone who you care about has been harmed by the negligence of someone else, always know that the law firm of Paulson and Ace is there for you. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. Paulson and Nace will fight for you and your family in a way that no other law firm will. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611, and when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Chris Nace and Matt Nace are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. Uh, Chris Nace in May was named the 2023 Barry J. Nace Trial Lawyer of the Year. uh, This by the DC Trial Lawyers Association. Chris in July was elected as the parliamentarian of the American Association for Justice. And both Chris and Matt Nace in August were recognized by best lawyers in America for 2024. Why? Well, Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who cause clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. This is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial. And That's because Paulson & Nace wins trials. Paulson & Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson & Nace. Call Paulson & Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson & Nace that Al Galdi sent you. you. can also visit Paulsonandnace.com. That's Paulsonandace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Ace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. So now that Washington is a 2-0, in a regular season for the first time since 2011. What about 3 and 0? I mean, why stop now, right? Let's get greedy. Uh Washington has not had a 3 and 0 start to a regular season since 2005. <laughs> it has been 18 years since Washington won at least its first 3 games of a regular season. The 2 and 0 Commanders host The one and one Buffalo Bills this Sunday afternoon at one. We on Monday afternoon had the day after the game press conference for Commanders head coach Rod Rivera off the 35-33 win at the Denver Broncos on Sunday. Here was Ron on how the optimism surrounding the Commanders right now can help Commanders players.
2: Well, first of all, just, you know, at the end of the game, just hearing our crowd get in, you know, our fans that showed up get behind us, you know, that was a nice little shot in the arm, a little boost. Um, and the guys do feel it. Um, you know, to me, I also kind of thought, you know, the, the resilience we showed, um, you know, in scoring the touchdown, getting the two-point conversion, then kicking the field goal and coming off on the side um the fans that were there, you know, the, 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 the Washington Commander fans, I could hear them over the, the Bronco fans as we were jog, you know, jogging in. You could hear them saying, hey, you got it on, you know, you're just, you're just, you know, touchdown down. Hey, you wait to come back, keep it going. And you could hear it. You could hear it in, 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 in Denver Stadium. I mean, that was, that, to me, was really telling, um, you know, that we had some great support there as
1: well. I am anticipating a great atmosphere at FedEx Field for this game against the Bills this Sunday afternoon. Uh next segment we'll discuss what Rod Rivera had to say about the Commanders defense with a focus on edge defender Chase Young and we'll discuss what Ron had to say about the situation at long snapper with what is happening with Cameron Cheeseman. But this segment, we focus on what Ron had to say about the commander's offense. So the overall offensive numbers for the commanders in the win at the Broncos were good. The commanders on Sunday averaged 5.88 yards per play. Uh, That's very good. Uh, That for the 2022 regular season would have been top 10 in the NFL. Uh, The commanders on Sunday went three of three in the red zone. Excellent. The Commanders on Sunday committed no turnovers, came close to a few turnovers, but did not commit any turnovers. Uh, The Commanders on Sunday did go just three of 10 on third downs, but Washington, in scoring 35 points, scored at least 35 points in a regular season game for the first time since the 41-16 win at the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving 2020. Commanders quarterback Sam Howell in the win at the Broncos played well. Uh, he, for the game, had a total QBR per ESPN of 64.1. Uh, that was as of prior to Monday Night Football. The uh, QBR calculations can change. Uh, QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100, so 64.1 isn't great, but is pretty good. And to put the 64.1 total QBR in context, that is higher than all but one. Of the single-game total QBRs registered by Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz and their starts last regular season as Commanders quarterbacks. Uh, additionally, Sam, for the win at the Broncos, earned an overall grade per pro football focus of 70.4. Uh, PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. He, for the game, was the fifth-highest graded Commanders offensive player per PFF. Uh, This was Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon with his evaluations of the commander's offense and of Sam Howell's performance in the win at the Broncos off having rewatched the game via the All-22.
2: I thought Sam handled some things very well. You know, there were some really good opportunities we had. Um, He made some real good decisions early in the game. We moved the ball. Um, Unfortunately, we weren't consistent that we needed to be, Uh, whether it was we dropped the ball um, whether it was um, we missed a block or we got a penalty and, and, and you know, and then we missed a kick. That was disappointing. Uh, I mean, at worst, at one point, we should have, you know, we should have been down uh, eight. It should have been 14-6, you know, something like that. Uh, but there, everything that happened, everything that we did wrong, is easily corrected, and that's one of the things that that we've got to do. Uh, as far as Sam was concerned, as I said, he did some really good things early on. A um, couple of mistakes. Um, you know, I'd like to see him. You know, he could have gotten rid of the ball sooner. But in the second half, that's the things that we saw that were really positive. You know, was that you saw him make that decision to throw the ball away. You saw him make the decision to be. You know, very forward in terms of just tucking it running and sliding you know doing those things are starting to sh- you know show us the growth that we're looking for in his decision making um that's always good to see um and he threw some really good balls i mean the touchdown he threw to logan threw was to logan. was about as good was as it could be um the touchdown throw he threw to terry was as good as it could be I mean, those are the things that that you see because now he's anticipating. um, He's throwing people to to the ball in terms of, you know, the one he threw to Terry. You could almost say he helped throw Terry open into the area um, that he needed to be. And, of course, it was a hell of a catch. I mean, both his and Logan's were, were terrific touchdown catches.
1: Yes, they were. And hopefully tight end Logan Thomas is doing well off the concussion. That he suffered on his touchdown catch. Uh, Logan for the game, two receptions for 22 yards and a touchdown on three targets and playing on 40% of the commander's offensive snaps. He was the third highest graded commander's player for pro football focus with an overall grade of 78.9. But no doubt Sam Howell's two touchdown passes on Sunday were what you call big boy (laughs) touchdown passes. That late second quarter, fourth and goal, four yard shotgun touchdown pass To Logan Thomas, who took the nasty helmet-to-helmet hit from safety, Kareem Jackson, who was ejected from the game. But the touchdown pass came on a very nice tight window throw by Sam. And the third quarter, first and 10, 30-yard shotgun play-action touchdown pass to receiver Terry McLaurin, who made a great leaping catch while in between two Broncos defenders. Uh, Sam's two touchdown passes in this win at the Broncos required processing, required anticipation, Required accuracy, required arm strength, slash velocity. These were not easy, gimme layup type touchdown passes. These were adult (laughs) touchdown passes. Who knows what Sam Howell will ultimately prove to be as an NFL quarterback? But I tell you what, it's hard to make two touchdown passes like those and be a bum. You know, like you have to have some stuff going for you as an NFL quarterback if you can make touchdown passes. Like those ones. Uh, regarding the anticipation that Sam demonstrated on his two touchdown passes on Sunday, here was Rod Rivera on Monday afternoon on if such anticipation for a quarterback is a mindset thing or a function of growth.
2: I think it's both. I, I, I think, think it's both. the I guy's mindset has guy's to tell mind. him that he can go ahead and he can make those plays, and 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 then his 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 ability to anticipate to see where the, the defender is. I mean, he obviously saw that Terry was, was, was in position to run by these guys, and if he laid it out, Terry would go get it, and that's exactly what I thought happened with Terry's. As far as Logan's was concerned, the one that I saw was, uh, you know, to me, he saw that there was, the, there was a, a separation between the two defenders. Um, and so the ball was thrown in front to lead him just into position to catch it, um, and then, unfortunately, you know, the, the, the guy took a shot. Um, but again, it was a, a well-thrown ball, a well-timed ball, and I thought the anticipation on that was very good as well.
1: Yes, it was. So Sam Howell was an offensive standout for the Commanders in their win at the Broncos, and so was running back Brian Robinson Jr. He had 18 carries for 87 yards and two fourth-quarter touchdowns and had two receptions for 42 yards on three targets. He played on 52% of the commander's offensive snaps. He, for the game, was the fourth highest graded commander's player per pro football focus with an overall grade of 76.8. Now, Robinson in the first half had five carries for just 13 yards, but Robinson in the second half had 13 carries for 74 yards and two touchdowns. Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon on what changed for Brian Robinson Jr.
2: I think he... he you know, one of the things that they've been working on with him is, is really been just being patient, being patient, being patient. And, you know, sometimes being patient means to study your feet and, and you can get a little anxious. And, and instead of, you know, waiting for that crease or, or anticipating that crease developing, you know, he hits it where he probably didn't need to. And I think as he settled in and, and you saw it later on, he had a couple of really nice runs and you could see him be patient, and then hit it. And as he hit it, you could see the separation between the blockers and the creases were there. And, and, and part of that was not just his frustration with himself, but, you know, up front, you know, we've got to be consistent as well to give our backs an opportunity to be successful.
1: The extent to which we saw a really good screen game for the Commanders offense on Sunday was really good. Uh, Brian Robinson, two receptions for 42 yards on three targets. Running back Antonio Gibson, three receptions for 44 yards on three targets. Robinson had two 21-yard receptions. Gibson had a 36-yard reception. We all know that the Commanders screen game last season was wretched, but consider this. Robinson, in the win at the Broncos, had the 221-yard receptions. His longest reception last regular season was an 18-yard reception. So, he on Sunday had not one but two receptions that were longer than his longest reception for all of last regular season. Gibson in the win at the Broncos had his 36 yard reception. His longest reception last regular season was for 26 yards. So, he on Sunday, in game two of the Commanders 2023 regular season, had a reception that was longer than any reception that he had last regular season. I call this the Eric Bienni Effect. The EBE, <laughs> the EBE, the Eric Biennemi effect, the EBE, Commanders Assistant Head Coach slash Offensive Coordinator Eric Bienemy. We know that he has had the Commanders working on the screen game a ton. We also know that he spent the previous five seasons, 2018 through 2022, as Offensive Coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs over those five seasons got significant pass-catching production from running backs. Of course, it helped having the great Patrick Mahomes as the Chiefs QB1 for all five of those seasons. But last regular season, Chiefs running backs Jarek McKinnon, Clyde Edwards-Elaire, and Isaiah Pacheco combined 86 receptions for 793 yards and 12 touchdowns. That kind of pass-catching production from running backs is possible in today's NFL. Now, I'm not saying that Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson this season are gonna put up pass catching numbers like those, but that each guy in game two of this commander's 2023 regular season eclipsed his longest reception of last regular season. That is significant. And credit to a number of commander's players for their blocking on these screens. Uh, for instance, left guard Sadiq Charles and Center Nick Gates key blocks on the Gibson 36 yard reception. And speaking of Sadiq. How about this? The second highest graded commanders player for the win at the Broncos per PFF was left guard Sadiq Charles. You go Sadiq, an overall grade of 82.9. Well, we are happy with what's happening with the commanders right now. Hopefully you are happy with what you're paying for home and auto insurance. But if you're not, you're not alone. You know, we right now are routinely seeing 20% increases in home and auto insurance, even when the account is clean, meaning no accidents or violations on the auto insurance and no claims on the property insurance. Do yourself a favor, get with BMC Insurance check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. You'll be put in touch with the owner and president, Matt Brooks, a loyal listener of this podcast. And make sure that you mention that Al Goldie sent you. BMC Insurance, it offers home insurance, auto insurance, and also small business insurance in Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and North Carolina. BMC Insurance is an independent insurance agency, meaning that it has many, as in dozens of insurance carriers it works with, to make sure that clients are always paying competitive rates. What's especially great about BMC Insurance is that it has relationships with its clients. BMC Insurance is a trusted advisor for your insurance needs. Uh, BMC Insurance continues to work with clients after sales. It has team members who actually shop clients' insurance every year when they renew. Uh, And BMC Insurance does this proactively so that you don't have to. BMC Insurance will save you time and money. And Perhaps most telling, BMC Insurance's client retention rates historically are much higher than industry averages. You see, when people get BMC Insurance, they stay with BMC Insurance. Don't get gouged on your home and auto insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. Talk to my guy, Matt Brooks, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Uh, And BMC Insurance does offer small business insurance. So if you're looking for general liability, workers' comp, or commercial auto insurance, BMC Insurance can help. Visit insurancebmc.com. That's insurancebmc.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. More now from Commanders head coach Ron Rivera's day after the game press conference on Monday afternoon off the team's 35-33 win at the Denver Broncos on Sunday. The Commanders defense on Sunday, really bad over the first quarter and a half, really good over the rest of the game. Uh, no word yet on how interior defensive lineman Duran Payne is doing. Uh, he deep into the fourth quarter hurt his left ankle, uh, though he still had another great game. Duran finished with a sack three quarterback hits, two tackles for loss, a team high, five solo tackles, and a pass defense. He, for the game, was the highest graded Commanders player for pro football focus with an overall grade of 86. Also having a good game on Sunday, returning edge defender Chase Young. He was back and he was impactful. Made his 2023 regular season debut of having been inactive for the 2016 win with the Arizona Cardinals at FedEx Field in week one due to a neck injury that he suffered in the Commander's preseason opening 17-15 win at the Cleveland Browns on August 11th. A chase in this win at the Broncos finished with one and a half sacks, two quarterback hits, and a tackle for loss. He did commit two fourth quarter penalties, but he for the game was the fifth highest graded commanders player for Pro Football Focus with an overall grade of 76.1. Additionally, Chase for PFF over 31 pass rush snaps had seven pressures and a pass rush win rate of 25.8%, which is very good. And Chase on Sunday played a good bit, he played on 71% of the commander's defensive snaps. Uh, So much for a pitch count. For comparison's sake, fellow edge defender Montez Sweat on Sunday played on 73% of the commander's defensive snaps. Chase Young looked good. He played well. And if he is in a good place, and we already have Montez Sweat in a good place, and we have interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne in good places, uh, the commander's defense this season could have something really special. Here was Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon on Chase Young's performance in the win at the Broncos of having rewatched the game via the All-22.
2: He did remind me a lot of things from his rookie year. You know, first of all, he was so excited to get back out on the field. We had to really kind of try to tempo him the best we could couple times he popped out there, you know, when, when, when it wasn't his time to rotate in. And, but, but, you know, we try to maintain that with him as good as we can. Um, secondly, I, I thought he did show his explosiveness. There were some, some times where you saw him just flat out win on his own, and the quarterback just barely get the ball out on time. Um, and then you saw his persistence in terms of, 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 you know, countering, coming back underneath, and then getting his first sack. That was good to see, um, and then there were a couple times, especially in the red zone when we needed him. Him and Montez came through together, where they they met at the quarterback. That was a lot of fun. Um, so you're starting to see him get back into it. Um, I think he's got to work a little bit on his communications with the tackle that he's rushing with, so that you know, again, hey, I'm going to I'm going to go up and under, or I'm coming inside, you know, cover me, and those types of things. So they they've got he's got a little work to do. Um, but uh, it's great to see because he is he is in, first of all he's in great shape he kept himself in great shape he worked at, at his craft while you know while he was waiting for his opportunity and so right now his his return to play is, is is isn't going to be one of those where you just keep waiting for it to come I think he's where he needs to be and he'll just keep getting better I believe in in, in terms of his his performance and his working with his teammates.
1: Something that has really stood out to me regarding Chase Young is how complimentary Ron Rivera has been of Chase recently, specifically about his work ethic and focus. You know, Ron, during his post-practice press conference this past Friday afternoon, raved about Chase's work ethic and focus. Uh, A stark contrast from the way that Ron talked about Chase in 2021. Those two were not on the same page in 2021. They do appear to be on the same page now. This was Ron this past Friday afternoon on Chase. The biggest
2: thing more than anything else is the young man has, has just been terrific from, from day one in training camp. Worked his tail off, you know, had the unfortunate where you know, we, we had to put him down for a little bit. And then now he's back up. Uh, he's been working hard. He's done everything you know, he needs to. He's been chomping at the bit. Um, so we're excited for his opportunity.
1: OK, so Ron Rivera right there raving about Chase Young. And now pay close attention to what I'm about to play for you. So Chase Young, one game into his 2023 regular season, has as many sacks as he had over his nine games in the 2021 regular season. One and a half. <laughs> uh, and so we on Monday afternoon had this exchange between Commander's Insider Matthew Paris of the Washington Times and Ron Rivera.
0: Hey Ron with it's your chase. Case. How important was it for him to just match that sack total that he had in twenty twenty one to get that out of the way,
1: just kinda match that total right you know? <laughs>
2: Um I think I, I I really do, man. I, I think it, it was very important. I think it was it was kind of probably on his mind and, and once he got it and got that sack out of the way, his first play, now there's no pressure, there's no expectation or anticipation. Now he just goes out and plays and that's what I thought he did in the second half. Um, you know and and, and it, it's it's one of those things that you want to be able to finish. And he did. He did on the on, on his first opportunity out there um, playing this this past weekend to finish. and you know he walk away with one and a half sacks that was that, that was pretty damn good for him. I, and I'm, I'm very happy because of, of the amount of work he's put into it, how hard he worked in this off season, um, how diligent he was doing the things that was being asked of him. This is, you know, things bode very well for him, in my opinion.
1: How about that? Big time praise from Rod Rivera for Chase Young, especially in terms of his work ethic and his focus. Love hearing that. Uh, I hope that Chase has a monster 2023 season. He is off to a nice start. Now we earlier in this segment did hear Ron say that Chase needs to work on his communication with the defensive tackle with whom Chase is rushing. Uh, this was Ron on Monday afternoon on how that communication can be good.
2: It is because you know you you do get reps, you get to work to each, with each other, you communicate. Um, it's also and an, um, Jack does a great job. You know him and him and the uh, assistant coaches on on defense do a great job in communicating how certain types of rushes are, are are incorporated in some of the coverages, understanding what the coverages are for, being alert and understanding down and distance, you know, um, recognizing formation and communicating, hey, this is an empty set, hey, this is a mobile quarterback, you know, you've got the A-gap, you've got to be alert for that. You know, I mean, that's all part of what they have to continue to work on and continue to communicate as the game progresses. And the only way you do it is getting those types of reps you know, for the most part, Chase hadn't gotten any any of the. Um padded practice reps for a while last week was the first time he got it and and he really showed us that you know there were some really good things that he was doing um come wednesday you know we we expect him to, to to have some real good practice reps uh communicate really well with one another and and then um you know continue to build up his confidence and develop that rapport you need to to be able to work with doesn't matter which tackles in the game or which ends in the game or which linebacker you just know you're ready to work with everybody
1: All right. Another big topic during Ron Rivera's day after the game press conference on Monday afternoon was the cheese man, (laughs) long snapper Cameron Cheeseman. Has he played his last game for Washington? Uh, the Cheeseman over the Commanders' first two games in this 2023 regular season has had three bad snaps on field goal attempts. Uh, the win over the Cardinals at FedEx Field in week one, kicker Joey Sly went 2 2 on field goals despite two bad snaps by Cameron Cheeseman. Sly connected on a 30 yard field goal on the final snap of the second quarter. Uh, Cheeseman's snap for this field goal was low and too far to the right of punter slash holder Tressway. Way. Uh, Sly connected on a 33 yard field goal in the fourth quarter. Cheeseman snap for that field goal was way high. And then in this win at the Broncos in week two, Joey Sly missed the first quarter 49-yard field goal attempt, uh, which was absurdly wide right off a bad snap by Cameron Cheeseman. Although CBS ridiculously did not show a replay of the bad snap. CBS also was late coming back from break and missed a good chunk of running back Brian Robinson Jr.'s two point conversion run in the second quarter. Not a good day for CBS, uh, but I digress. So the Cheese Man over the Commanders' first two games in this 2023 regular season has had three bad snaps on field goal attempts. And as you may remember, he in the Commanders' second game of the 2023 preseason had a bad snap on a field goal attempt. The Commanders' 29-28 win over the Baltimore Ravens at FedEx Field on Monday Night Football on August 21st to end the streak, to end the Ravens' NFL record 24-game preseason winning streak. Joey Sly connected on a 49-yard field goal in the third quarter, despite a woeful snap by Cameron Cheeseman, whose snap resulted in the football rolling on the grass toward Tress Way. Uh, Now, the Commanders on Tuesday are working out multiple long snappers. So Cheeseman may already be done as Commander's long snapper. This was Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon on what's going on with Cameron Cheeseman and on the team on Tuesday working out multiple long snappers.
2: Well, um the the biggest thing, more so than anything else, was a little disappointed in the very first snap, um, and it's crazy because you go back and look at the rest of his snaps, and, and and they were pretty damn good, and you know. But this is something we have to do because it can't happen every week, because it could cost you a game. It really could have. I mean, um, you know, part of it is 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 you don't want it to to, to to affect anybody else, and if if we look at it that hey, we need to have an insurance policy. Um, if we need to do something, uh, we're going to do it because it, it's what's best for this football team. And that's what we're looking at. We've talked about some options. Um, one of the options is we're going to have a little, uh, we're gonna have a little in- information gathering tomorrow. We're going to bring in an, uh, a few players, give them an opportunity to show us what they're capable of, and we'll take a look and go from there.
1: You know, Cameron Cheeseman last season was mostly fine on his snaps. Uh, we know that he had been and maybe still is working on a new long snapping technique. Why he had to mess with a good thing, I'm not sure. But this was Rod Rivera on Monday afternoon on what has changed for Cheeseman this season.
2: To be quite honest, it, it's just his his inconsistency. Um, which seems to just show up once in a while. And the thing we can't have is we can't have it show up because the last thing you want is to, to, to have it cost you a point or two or three that could be the difference in a football game. And, and that's something that we have to be prepared to protect ourselves against. And as I said, because of that, we had conversations and you know we're, we're going to decide on some things and go forward. But you know, again, we're going to do what we really believe is best. <coughs>
1: I like Ron Rivera saying that Cameron Cheeseman has inconsistency that shows up once in a while. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Ron, uh, that's what inconsistency is. Uh, Listen, we do not need to do a history lesson on Cameron Cheeseman, but always remember, Washington did not just spend a draft pick on a long snapper and Cameron Cheeseman. Washington on a long snapper and Cameron Cheeseman spent a draft pick that the team traded for a 2021 six-round pick acquired From the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, that he already is a problem is a big problem, okay? Washington spending a draft pick on a long snapper and Cheeseman was bad. Washington on a long snapper and Cheeseman spending a draft pick that the team traded for is even worse. And that he may not last beyond game one of just his third regular season with the team would be even worse. But you know what? If this is the commander's biggest problem right now, I think we'll live. Uh, It's just bad process to spend draft capital on a special team specialist. But it is good to play fantasy sports with underdog fantasy. I am proud to be partnering with Underdog Fantasy. Uh, I, for this season, am making fantasy football picks for Commanders games in terms of Underdog Fantasy's higher-lower totals. Uh, Underdog Fantasy is great. It is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Uh, Underdog Fantasy offers pick'em games by which you can win up to 20 times on your money in one day and offers pick'em insurance, which gives you a little wiggle room if you're not as confident in an entry. And when it comes to season-long fantasy, underdog fantasy offers a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be ultra-time-consuming. Well, underdog fantasy removes the time consumption but keeps the fun and the potential to win money. And Underdog Fantasy is offering something special for listeners of this podcast. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So in other words, if you deposit $100, you get $100 for free. Free money. (laughs) That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use the promo code GALDI. Coming up in moments, I'm going to be talking Orioles. But hey, if you are thinking about going to an Orioles playoff game, if you are thinking about going to a Commander's game, off well, their 2-0 and start to the 2023 regular season. Make sure that you download the GameTime app and use the promo code ALGALDI. When it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the GameTime app. Game time offers great deals on last-minute tickets and has a best price guarantee. So you no longer have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. The Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less... Game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference. What's also great about game time is how easy it makes searching for tickets. you can search by team, venue, or artist. Uh, I was just on Game Time looking at tickets for Commander's games in the 2023 regular season. A lot of good deals, and the seating chart next to the listed tickets made figuring out what exactly I'd be getting super easy. Game Time is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country. Game Time is the app. For last minute ticket deals, you don't have to plan months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. GameTime also offers flash deals on tickets and tickets are sent directly to your phone. So you never have to dig through your email. Get the tickets without the stress with GameTime, which is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app, create an account and use this promo code. Al Galdi. You use that promo code Al Galdi, you get $20 off your first purchase. Uh, terms do apply, but download the Game Time app, create that account, and use the promo code Al Galdi for $20 off your first purchase. What time is it? It's game time. <laughs> download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Well, the American League-leading Orioles may have clinched their first playoff spot in seven seasons, but the O's still are battling to clinch the best record in the American League and to clinch first place in the American League East. We on Monday night had Game 1 of a potential American League Championship Series preview. The Orioles add the American League West-leading Houston Astros. And the game was a heavyweight battle, but a battle... That was won by the O's. An 8-7 win in a game in which the O's blew a 3-1 6 inning lead but overcame a 7-5 ninth inning deficit. To again, Joe Angel (laughs) be in the win column. And the Orioles again in the win column. That's right, Joe, the win column. Uh, now, the Tampa Bay Rays did not have a game on Monday, so the O's for this 2023 regular season now are, in American League best, 94-56, and 56, two and a half games ahead of the Rays for the best record in the American League and for first place in the American League East. And the Orioles' elimination number, their magic number to clinch the AL East, is down to 10. You know, the O's in their four-game split with the Rays at Oriole Park at Camden Yards the previous four days, Thursday through Sunday, hit well in just one of the four games, but the O's on Monday night did hit well, hit very well. The O's scored eight runs, totaled 16 hits, worked two walks, and went four for 11 with runners in scoring position. The 16 hits were comprised of a home run, a triple, three doubles and 11 singles. Cedric Mullins, what a game for him on Monday night. He is the Orioles starting center fielder and number five batter. Went two for five with a three run homer, an RBI double, and an outfield assist. Mullins in an Orioles three run ninth had a go ahead, one out, three run home run to right field for an 8 7 Orioles lead. The homer went a projected 425 feet for StatCast. Uh, what a big home run by Cedric Mullins, and Mullins in the bottom of the third had an outfield assist in throwing out Jordan Alvarez at home on a tag-up play to complete a double play off Mullins having made a nice charging catch of a flyout by Kyle Tucker. You know, Cedric Mullins has had an injury-plagued season, but he still has been good enough to be one of the Orioles' best players. He came into Monday number four among all Orioles position players in wins above replacement war, per baseball reference for this regular season at 2.7, and that does not include what he did on Monday night. The Cedric Mullins war is uh, fixing to go up. Uh, number one among all Orioles position players in war per baseball reference for this regular season is Gunnar Henderson. Uh, He is steamrolling toward winning American League Rookie of the Year, and he on Monday night as the Orioles starting third baseman and number one batter went three for five with a triple and two singles. Henderson for this regular season is number one among all qualified Orioles players in OPS at 832. And Ryan O'Hearn, he had a five-hit night. O'Hearn as the Orioles starting first baseman and number three batter. Five for five with a double, a two-run single, and three other singles. Uh, Ryan O'Hearn for this regular season, 326 plate appearances, an OPS of 849. He has been so good when called upon. And I tell you, I give manager Brandon Hyde a lot of credit. He has deployed O'Hearn so well. Uh, We on Monday night had John Means as the Orioles starting pitcher. This was his second major league start in his comeback from Tommy John surgery. He right now is auditioning for the Orioles postseason rotation, and he on Monday night did pretty well—one run in five innings. Now the peripherals weren't great, but you know they also weren't like hideous. He gave up just four hits. Now three of the four hits were doubles. He gave up three doubles and a single. Uh, He did issue three walks. He only had one strikeout. He threw 86 pitches, 55 strikes versus 31 balls. But the Astros are one of the best hitting teams in the majors. So if you, in your second major league start back from Tommy John surgery, hold the Astros to one run in five innings, that's pretty good. Okay. We certainly could live with that. Uh, Not good was the Orioles bullpen. Uh, The Orioles bullpen is my biggest concern with the team going into the playoffs. If you are an O's fan, I'm guessing that the bullpen is a concern of yours. Uh, The ace reliever Felix Batista remains out with his right UCL injury. And what we had in this 8-7 win at the Astros on Monday night was a bullpen mess for the O's. Six Orioles relievers combined to allow six runs in four innings. There is nobody in this Orioles bullpen who you feel great about right now. Now, some guys are better than others, of course, but uh, you don't feel great about anybody. I will give props to Yanir Kando. He, on Monday night, faced one batter and got the final out of the game, a big strikeout, a swinging strikeout of Chaz McCormick with a runner on third, two outs, and the O's nursing an 8-7 lead in the bottom of the ninth inning. What a game. Uh, what a win. Game two for the O's at the Astros. Tuesday night at 8:10, Kyle Gibson will be the Orioles starting pitcher. Well, the Nationals on Monday night began their final homestand of the 2023 regular season, a seven-game homestand consisting of a three-game series with the Chicago White Sox and a four-game series with the Major League-leading Atlanta Braves. The White Sox this season actually have been worse than the Nats have been. So what does it say <laughs> that the Nats got ripped by the White Sox on Monday night? A 6-1 loss to the White Sox at Nationals Park on Monday night. The Nats now are just 5-16. and Over their last 21 games, they for this regular season uh, that at this point probably cannot end soon enough for them are 66 and 85. That is the second worst record in the National League. The White Sox improved to 58 and 93. The Nats on Monday night nearly got shut out. White Sox starting pitcher Mike Clevenger tossed a complete game. He allowed one run in nine innings with seven strikeouts versus no walks. But as for the lone run that Clevenger allowed. So the Nats were down to their last strike when they finally scored a run. Dominic Smith, he is the Nats' starting first baseman and number five batter, went one for four with a solo home run. Uh, he, in the Nats' one-run ninth, had a two-out solo homer to right-center field on a 1-2 pitch to cut the Nats' deficit to 6-1. Uh, the homer winner projected 419 feet per stat cast. Uh, this was an impressive home run by a guy in Dominic Smith who is having an impressive month. Uh, Dominic Smith for this month of September has a slugging percentage of 644. Uh, Where has this power been the rest of this season? But it was after the home run that we did have an incident that actually resulted in benches and bullpens clearing. Uh, Dominic Smith hit his home run, stepped on home plate, and then immediately turned toward Mike Clevenger. The home plate umpire, Will Little, immediately stepped in front of Smith, and Smith and Clevenger were jawing at each other. Now, Smith did flip his bat after the home run. Clevenger seemed to not like that Smith flipped his bat after the home run. No punches were thrown in all of this or anything like that, Uh, but this was actually kind of comical. I mean, two of the worst teams (laughs) in the majors, the Nats and the White Sox, playing this uh, largely meaningless game deep in the month of September, And you have the two teams talking smack (laughs) with each other. And you have Dominic Smith, not a big-time home run guy. And by the way, not a guy known for being cocky, pimping his home run and uh, getting into it with Mike Clevenger. By the way, for the record, I am a fan of the pimping of the home run. I like that stuff, I think, as long as it's not done in, you know, a vulgar or antagonizing way. I think it adds to the fun of baseball. So I'm not down on Dominic Smith. For pimping the homer, but yeah, there is an irony to this, in you know him doing this at the end of what was essentially a blowout loss for the Nats, uh, as the Nats are one of the worst teams in the majors, getting beat by uh, one of the worst teams in the majors. Here was Nats manager David Martinez during his postgame press conference on Monday night on what happened between Dominic Smith and Mike Clevenger.
2: I mean, you know, Dom stood there and watched the him run. Yeah, you know, he started. He started. Um, saying some, some words to him. I don't know what he said but uh, it's just part of the game now, right? I mean, I've seen a lot worse. I mean, guys stand there for a minute half the time so they're back 40 feet in the air. So it's part
1: of the game. Yes, it is. Uh, two bad teams getting into it in a late-season game. Uh, but yeah, the Nats on Monday night, just one run, just six hits, no walks, 0-6 with runners in scoring position. C.J. Abrams did have a two-hit night. He is the Nats starting shortstop and number one batter, went two for four with a double, a single, and a stolen base. But he also got picked off at first base. Uh, Abrams in the top of the first, a leadoff single up the middle, but he then moments later got picked off at first base in yet another instance of the Nats this season making it out on the base paths. Uh, Abrams in the bottom of the eighth had a two-out double to the right field corner. Uh, also on Monday night, k Ruiz, he is the Nats' starting catcher and number four batter, went 0 for 4 with a throwing error. Uh, k Ruiz had a very good month of August, but he is having a hideous month of September. His slash line for this month, a batting average of just 204, and on base percentage of just 218, a slugging percentage of just 278. And I mentioned his throwing error. k came in a Monday with minus 13 defensive runs saved for this regular season. Not good. Uh, the Nats this past March 11th announced having agreed with KB Ruiz on an eight-year contract extension with two club options, the extension and eight-year $50 million extension. He is the Nats' long-term catcher. He is not having a very good season. What is his age? 24 season. Now, I don't think that this means that you write off KB Ruiz. I don't think that this means that KB Ruiz is not going to work out. But I mean, if you are objectively assessing his 2023 season, It has not gone particularly well. And that's even factoring in that uh, Cape Ruiz, especially early in the season, uh, was hitting into a good bit of bad luck. Uh, the Nats starting pitcher for this 6-1 loss to the White Sox on Monday night was Johan Adone, and uh, he was not good. He officially allowed five runs in five innings. He gave up nine hits, a three-run homer, two doubles, and six singles. He issued two walks. He did record five strikeouts, and he did throw a lot of strikes, 87 pitches, 58 strikes versus 29 balls. Adone actually tossed four and two-thirds scoreless innings before unraveling. Uh, he, in the top of the fifth, Gave up a two-out, three-run home run by Luis Robert Jr. to left center field for a 3-0 White Sox lead, and Adone in what ended up being a 3-run 6 for the White Sox, gave up 3 consecutive hits to begin the inning before being pulled from the game. This was a 3rd bat outing and 4 starts for Johan Uh The Nats bullpen on Monday night, 3 Nats relievers officially combined to allow 1 run in 4 innings. Jose A. Ferrer did struggle. He officially allowed 1 run in 2 thirds of an inning. He and the White Sox's 3-run 6 retired just 1 of the 4 batters he faced. He induced a double play, but then gave up 3 consecutive two-out singles, but Corey Abbott tossed two and a third scoreless innings and Thaddeus Ward tossed a scoreless top of the ninth. Uh, the Nats this past Thursday morning announced having returned Ward from his rehab assignment and having reinstated him from the 15-day entered list, which he had been on since July 3rd retroactive to July 2nd with right shoulder inflammation. The belief is that he's going to get a start or two down the stretch of this Nats season, but uh, he on Monday night got some relief work Game two for the Nats against the White Sox, Tuesday night at 7.05. Jackson Rutledge will be the Nats' starting pitcher. And that will do it. For you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Algaldi. You can email me the Al Galdi podcast at Yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 660. will include a lot for you on the Commanders. Also I'll we'll talk Nationals and Orioles. And that's on Tuesday night at 705 of game two of a three-game series against the Chicago White Sox at Nationals Park. The O's on Tuesday night at 810 have game two of a three-game series at the Houston Astros. Have so a great rest of your Tuesday, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday.
2: To be quite honest, it, it's just his, his inconsistency, um, which seems to just show up once in a while.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.